Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Volume. Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are going to be given all of our week four takeaways from Sunday and Monday. Couldn't record a show on Sunday night as usual. Apologize for that. I was in Buffalo watching the game of the week. I had been looking for OJ Simpson earlier in the weekend. It was really quite an event, but very fun. So we're going to cover everything in this one. But I do think we should start with that game, Logan, because there was so much buildup, so much hype around this clash of the reigning three times running AFC's champion Buffalo Bills and the new kid on the block, the most dynamic offense in football through three weeks, the Miami Dolphins. The Bills dominated this game. What did you take away from it? We can start off with the same storyline that we've been peddling for three weeks now on this show, Carson, and that's the fact that Josh Allen is dramatically better than Tua Tagovailoa. Look, I hate taking a victory lap on you guys again. Because I feel like our comment section, that is immediately what it is flooded with most is, especially after last week, all the Dolphins are going to show you guys about the Bills. Josh Allen is in a completely different tier than Tua. Josh Allen, at his apex, is one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen with my own two eyes. It's ridiculous. And, Carson, I think you said this in our group chat with a couple friends of the show, but... I really do think that week one is what Josh needed. I think he needed a swift kick in the ass to get him Mm -hmm. locked in the rest of the way because it's a staggering difference that I notice with Josh, man. When he is locked in, I mean, it is he's like a razor's edge, man. He's just sharp. He's, He's just on with everything that he absolutely does. And in that Jets game, it's just there's the two sides of Josh. When you get this Josh, the Bills feel unbeatable, man. And he was just on. 21-25, 320 yards, five total touchdowns, no turnovers, and a perfect passer rating. When you see these type of Josh Allen games, it's just the absolute apex of the quarterback position. And you look at some of the throws he makes in this game. Early on, backpedaling, he throws a 30-yard corner dot to Diggs. Mm -hmm. The bomb on the left sideline uh, where Diggs draws a pass interference penalty. 
uh, in the red zone, another throw to Diggs. He rolls out right. He manipulates that linebacker right off of Diggs, opens up that window to fire a ball in there. Easy touchdown, and then that scramble on the read option. Josh just does superhuman things week in, week out, man, and he's got one of the best arms I've ever seen. I know we compared him to... Uh, I've compared him to Brett Favre in the past. Josh really is, in terms of arm talent, probably the closest thing I've seen to Favre. And in terms of new storylines, I want to give a big credit to offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey because he mm-hmm. struggled a lot in these early weeks, you know, finally taking over uh, different weapons, different offensive lines, stuff like that. Uh, everybody seemed open in this game all game long, and yeah. I want to give a big credit to him with play action, stuff like that. Everything he drew up in this game worked. Guys were open all day long. And look, Carson, I don't want to take a dump on Tua. I thought Tua played a really good game, but again, man, there's just there's levels to it. There's a clear gap, and I thought Tua missed on some crucial balls in this game. Uh, he was off target on one of those throws that he tried to force in there. It gets batted away by two Bills defenders. Waddle somehow comes up with the ball. Uh, he threw he threw in a double coverage to Raheem Mostert, and it almost catches him. And to me, that's what it felt like it was looming with Tua. He was just a little bit off, and then finally you get that overthrow on the interception to Micah Hyde late in this game. There's just levels to it, man, and I think that this game meant a lot to the Bills. I, I don't think you're going to beat the Bills when Josh Allen plays like this. And they showed out uh, the pressure they were able to get on Tua, man, the way the offensive line held up against this Dolphins front, uh, the way this Bills defense played. I just think that they are the first or second best team in the AFC, man. And I've believed that since the start of the year to the Kansas City Chiefs, depending on what we get out of them the rest of the year. And with how shaky they've been, I mean, the Bills certainly feel like the front runner with how they've dominated since that dud in week one, man. I just think that we're looking at a complete dominant team led out by one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. There's still a real gap between these two mm-hmm. teams in the AFCs to me, and it's based on two fundamental principles that I laid out before this game. The Bills have a significantly better defense, and they have a significantly better quarterback. And generally, when you have those two components going largely in your favor, that's a good formula to being a better football team. And those were the two major takeaways from this game. And This is exactly why Josh Allen is a top two quarterback in football. You mentioned the big plays, the dynamic stuff. He had that incredible play where he made multiple dudes miss in the backfield and then perfectly led James Cook up the sideline. He had the nice touchdown run. You have the, oh my God, Josh Allen moments. But what is the overwhelming storyline of this game? It is the surgical Josh Allen. It is the picking you apart with perfect accuracy and timing and decision-making underneath and just dissecting you down the field for four quarters. And that's what makes him so brilliant. How incredibly he can combine the two. And that's why the narrative that he is this Neanderthal who doesn't have a brain is so misguided and has been for years and is driven by these outlier performances. And yes, he can get into that hero ball mode. We absolutely saw it in week one, but that is what he needed. Since then, he has been unbelievably efficient. 295 total yards per game since week two, 10 total touchdowns to just one turnover with a 77% completion rate. He is taking every false overplayed narrative about him and he is laughing and he is proving that everybody who bought into these narratives who declared that he couldn't be a top two or top three or some people even said top five quarterback 
It's absolutely foolish. He's as good a one-man offense as there is. He's a damn good decision maker, and he's one of the all-time great athletic talents, and that all around makes for automatic elite offense. I agree with the compliments you give to Ken Dorsey. I thought this was easily the best game that he has called. I thought he did a good job of using motion, some of that eye candy that the Bills really hadn't used very effectively in the first few games. I thought that really freed up the first touchdown for them. So he was unbelievable. Diggs was also unbelievable. He has, you mentioned, drawing the massive PI penalty that was basically a 40-yard completion. He has that unbelievable run after the catch for the 55-yard touchdown where he somehow shakes off two defenders. He ran a beautiful route for his third touchdown of the day where he was wide open. He just backed into an easy touchdown. And that's where you see his value. This guy, to me, is still a top-five receiver in football, and he maybe doesn't have the elite elite big playability although we did see it in this game but he is as reliably open as anybody in football outside of Justin Jefferson and he has been so consistent through the first four weeks and there was so much talk about if the relationship with him and the organization was fractured in the offseason and I have seen absolutely no reason to be concerned at all in fact I was right there on the bill sideline and let me tell you that dude was loving it he was loving the fans he looked very very happy to be there so Offensively, I thought it was an incredibly smooth, consistent performance from Buffalo. But I remain really, really impressed by this defense, which has not had anything close to a down performance. But to be fair, this is the first legitimate offense that they have faced. But they fared the best that anybody has against this Miami offense. New England, you could argue it's close. But after those first two drives, the Bills shut down this offense. And I think the key is how elite this pass rush in this overall defensive front is right now. We mentioned their ability to be towards the top of the league in pressure rate while being towards the bottom of the league in blitz rate, meaning they are reliably getting real pressure with four and how valuable that is allowing you to still have so many guys in coverage. And that formula was big here. Again, they have another four sack performance. They're tied for the league league there through four weeks. And Ed Oliver is playing Awesome football. Greg Rousseau is balling. AJ Epinesa is getting after it. The interior of the defensive line is really, really good. The depth is good. And that's before they've even reintroduced Von Miller. And that is the strength of this defense right now. Historically, it's always been the secondary. Last year, you could look at the tandem of Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, two really good linebackers. Matt Milano, flat out elite. But right now, it is this front is their ability to get after the passer, and also they've been pretty darn good against the run. But I was also impressed by the safety play in this one, and that was a concern going into it for me once it was announced that Jordan Poyer was out because you bring in Taylor Rapp, and eye discipline is so important against this Miami offense because nobody is more deceptive. Nobody is going to do more things to get you potentially moving in the wrong direction And I thought they were phenomenally disciplined. The longest passing play of the day for Miami was 23 yards. So when you take away the sort of explosive plays that it feels are almost a a given with this Miami offense, which is still the fastest I have ever seen and one of the most creative I have ever seen, you have a really good formula. And I thought that Tua struggled to consistently put together quality drives in this game. I actually didn't think that he played very well at all. And yeah, they moved the ball down the field pretty easily on those first two drives. But I think when you're playing a defense of this caliber that is able to get after him, rushing four, 
That's where it matters that Tua doesn't create, that he doesn't extend plays, that he doesn't make those next level throws. And I thought he was legitimately rattled in this game. It felt like when the first read wasn't open and the pressure got home, the offense was really stifled. And he made multiple real mistakes in this game, which is the key thing. He's been so comfortable through the first three weeks, so spotless, accurate, good timing, but really facing very little pressure. And this game, you see, he had one play where he nearly fumbled twice. He had a ball off of a DB's hands that was miraculously caught. He absolutely should have thrown a pick six to Trey White. Terribly forecasted a ball that was easily jumped and Trey just couldn't catch it. He had a case of DB hands. And then the pick was a really bad overthrow. So I'm not really worried about the Miami offense. I still think it's elite, but I think this showed us that it's not unstoppable, believe it or not, when they go up against a great defense as opposed to one of the worst defenses in football in Denver that just made Justin Fields look like a superstar that let Sam Howell and Washington hang 35 on them. Like, that defense is next level bad. And the Chargers defense is also really bad. So this is a really good offense. But I just don't know that I can buy Miami as contenders given how unimpressive this defense is. And that's what we were holding out for, right? They let the Chargers put up 34 on them. Then they faced two bad offenses that they didn't shut down by any stretch of the imagination. They had pretty average performances, both the Patriots and the Broncos. And against the Bills, man, they cannot cover. And maybe Jalen Ramsey changes the dynamics there, but he can't fix the entire secondary. And the pass rush is okay but it's not dynamic. It's not in the upper echelon. So the defense is really thoroughly mediocre. And I don't think the offense is the sort of all-time special unit that some people made it out to be where I can buy them as contenders in spite of those sort of defensive limitations. I think the Bills look like the best team in the AFC right now. When Josh Allen is playing at this level, I have been so impressed by the defense. I thought with an aging unit, maybe we'd see some regression. They have looked as good as ever, and it's because of the best pass rush that these Bills defenses have had. Trey White being out now, likely for the season, that sucks. That really sucks because he was playing some really high-level football, and so the secondary will be tested more as the year goes along. But I thought that the corners held their own in this one even once he went down, and it's a damn good defense overall. So... You always have to give the benefit of the doubt to the Chiefs. We've seen it so many times, but I feel like the Bills are absolutely right there with them. 100%, and I think you laid out exactly why this Buffalo team is a lot more well-equipped to contend this year than years previous, right? The knock on Josh Allen is that he hasn't done it in the playoffs. He doesn't have a Super Bowl ring, and that's ultimately the monkey that he needs to get off of his back to finally be accepted across the NFL, right? Burrow gets to a Super Bowl where, where you know, we put him atop this pedestal as one of the best QBs in the NFL. That's ultimately where Allen needs to go, but that's why I think the Bills have their best chance to reach a Super Bowl this year is what you said about this defense, Carson. Mm-hmm. Uh, a hallmark, a tenet of playoff football is just making the other offenses go to work against you. You don't surrender these big-time plays. That is what has killed teams against the Dolphins this year. It's what kills teams against the Bengals in the playoffs. It's what kills teams against the Chiefs in the playoffs. If the Bills can continue doing this, Getting pressure with four where they can drop seven other guys into coverage. Again, this is without Von Miller. If they can keep doing Mm -hmm. this and they can keep limiting big plays, I I know, again, it's in theory, right? Everything's better in theory. But if they can keep doing this, 
those are the recipes for the best Bills team that we have ever seen and something that we didn't even bring up. I know they weren't great today, uh, the rushing game, that is. I know the running backs weren't great in this game against Miami. Mm-hmm. This is still the best committee of running backs that yes. the Bills have ever had. And you notice in this game, the way the Dolphins moved off of play action, that team respected it. You have to respect the Bills this year on the ground because of Latavius Murray, because of Harris, and most importantly, because of James Cook. The Dolphins did in this game, and I think you have to moving forward. This is just, Carson, you've said it as the Chiefs-Bills fan here for four straight weeks. This is the best surrounding unit around Josh Allen that he has ever had. And I think this year, uh, more than any other, uh, I, I think you should be encouraged to buy Bills stock. I'm all in, man. I think that... Top to bottom, I do think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. I'm not counting out the Chiefs, and I'm not counting out the Dolphins by any means either. Again, I do think, I don't know if this is one of the greatest offenses I've ever seen. Again, I'm not ready to put them in that tier. You need an entire season put together to uh, make that distinction. And again, uh, they're cost pretty poorly in this game by two Raheem Mostert fumbles that just burn them. I still think the Dolphins could be legit contenders, but I think you're exactly right. I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC, and I think there is a massive, massive gap between the two. This was a big old win, and I will say, if we're still doing the Josh Allen has to prove himself in the playoffs thing, talked about it before, but he is, per game, one of the great playoff performers we have ever seen. In the 2021 back-to-back games that he played, as good a two-game stretch in the postseason as we've seen from any quarterback ever. So I just don't buy into that. I think that what we've seen is that the defense historically has not been able to play at the same level in the postseason as the regular season. But we've never seen a Bills defense with an elite pass rush. And now they have one. And that is a total difference maker. So it was really fun to be at this game. I did try to find OJ Simpson. He posted a video watching the USC game from a bar and we didn't really have much to do on Saturday. So we tried to identify the background of the bar. We asked all the locals and we went to various locations and we asked if anybody knew where the juice was because we had heard that he was loose and we were ultimately unsuccessful, but great atmosphere. Drew Bledsoe led the bills in song before the game which I thought was a little bit weird to begin with because you probably remember him mostly as a Pat, but sure, he's a good Bills quarterback. But, Logan, you know how the Bills shout song goes because I would do it after every touchdown, right? You go, hey, 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 hey. Yeah, Drew Bledsoe comes out, and I'm going to see if I can replicate it. Now that I've actually sung the song correctly, it might be a little bit difficult, but he goes something like, oh, whoa, oh, whoa. I couldn't even tell what he was doing at first. And then eventually I caught on that he was trying to lead us in song, but not a real authentic uh, Bills legend, Drew Bledsoe, I'll say it. If you guys haven't seen that before, if you're like new to football or you just always miss it because they cut the TV breaks, that might be the most electrifying thing in in the NFL, yeah. dude, is when the Bills stadium, because it's a collective. I didn't know about it until you pointed out to me, Carson, as a Bills fan, because mm-hmm. every touchdown me and Carson would watch from our dorms rooms that the Bills would score, we'd go up and we'd shout because... It's what you do. It's what you do. It's an it's an electrifying feel in the stadium. If you guys have never watched it, it is awesome. I love the Bills fight song. I wish we had something like that, man. I'm frankly jealous. I think it's the coolest collective celebration in the NFL. So this Bills team looks great, and all the alarm bells were sounded after week one, which was the definition of a fluky loss, the four turnovers, the punt return touchdown to end it. I think this has the potential to be the best Bills team yet. And in an AFC that is looking more flawed than we expected, certainly 
they very well may be the front runner. But the other team in that conversation, in that top, top tier, Logan, is the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been to five straight AFC title games, who have been to three Super Bowls in the last five years, and who have won two of them. And they had a bit more trouble with the New York football Jets. Obviously, the Bills had even more trouble, but then we would have expected. So it seems like the most interesting part of this game was Zach Wilson, the fact that the Jets were able to actually put together some capable offense and make this competitive against one of the great offenses that we've seen and really one of the best offensive players, I would say the best quarterback in terms of peak ever. Not that this was a great offensive showing from the Chiefs, but do you buy into anything that Zach Wilson did in this game? Did he prove something to you? I don't think he proved anything different than I've come to expect from him, but it's definitely encouraging what we saw from the Jets offense, right? There had been nothing to write home about uh, over the start of this season. You get a couple of TD drives, you get Wilson rushing for that two-point conversion, and the Jets could have won this football game. I mean, they miss on a lot of crucial plays in this one. Uh, He misses Conklin in the end zone on an easy TD. He misses Garrett Wilson in the end zone on an easy TD. C.J. Mosley is a case of linebacker hands where he just drops a wide-open pick that could have changed this game. And then, of course, at the end, you have the Sauce Gardner holding penalty that negates that interception. The only issue that I have with that penalty, because I think that holding is a very... It's the word I'm looking for. It's a very judgmental call, right, on the refs. I feel like stereotypical football mantra, right? You could call Mm -hmm. holding on any play. I really do feel like you could. I thought, for one, it was minimal contact on Sauce, too. My other issue with this, they threw the flag after the ball had been picked off. I just don't like that. If you're going to call holding on Sauce for the middle of the route, throw the flag when Sauce is holding. Don't throw it to bring the play back after the Jets have a positive play. That's sus and weird to me, NFL, and I'm on to you guys. Wow. That, That was strange to me. It was encouraging, right? You beat a great Bills team. Fluky performance, whatever, but you're competitive against two of the best teams in the AFC. I will say, I think this speaks more to how bad the Chiefs played. Again, Mahomes keeps the Jets in this football game. This is probably the worst football game that I've ever seen from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, He wildly underthrows Noah Gray on that one pick. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, I already mentioned Mosley drops that one that was thrown directly to him. Uh it was encouraging, and that's all you can ask for at this point in the season because if you're not going to turn over the reins from Trevor Simeon, you just need something where Zach Wilson can hang his hat on and go, I did this well, we can execute again next week, and he mm-hmm. didn't. He This is probably, and this is sad considering it was only 250 yards and two TDs, this is probably the best game that I've seen from Zach Wilson. And yeah. I don't know if you saw the clip at the end of the uh, game with Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes comes up to him and says, just effing ball, you know, don't worry about what everybody else has to say. And I just hope that this has built a little confidence in Zach because we saw it with Fields. I hope this was a confidence builder for Fields after this week against Denver. Young QBs, man, when your confidence is shot, you're done. You know, there's just a, a hole. We're seeing Daniel Jones kind of slip into it, I feel like, slowly again. You need something to build on, and I hope this was for Zach. It was encouraging, but it wasn't groundbreaking. I'd like to see Zach execute a little bit better in the red zone on those throws, but... Just mm-hmm. to see two drives that went somewhere is encouraging. Yeah. So, look, man, I, I don't think the Jets are contenders. I don't think Zach Wilson is on a comeback tour, but this is something to build on, and I hope we see more of this. And they simplified stuff. Nathaniel Hackett, they came into the huddle, like you heard on the yes. broadcast, two different plays every time. Keep it simple for Zach. Don't overcomplicate things. Let him do the little stuff. And you can be 
an average team. So encouraging, nothing groundbreaking, but this is certainly the best game I've seen from Zach Wilson uh, in his young career. Absolutely. After a lot of disaster classes in a row, and I think you hit on a key point with the simplification, they put Zach in a spot where he could play a grown-up football game in terms of not doing the crazy, stupid, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed stuff. It was a lot of simple checkdowns and screens and very short passes, but he didn't feel out of control in this game. He didn't feel overwhelmed, and that in itself is some real progress, and he did have some good throws in this game. Like, especially in that second quarter, that early third quarter drive, play some balls nicely where only his guy could go get it. Almost had a really nice touchdown throw on the run in the second quarter. Just barely overthrew Garrett Wilson on what could have been another nice touchdown throw. So you did see a bit of the arm talent and some soft touch from him in that stretch. I did think the receivers played better in this game. I thought that both Lazard and Garrett Wilson both had catches where they made unbelievable adjustments to the ball for some big plays. Lazard on that deep ball. Wilson, really nice sideline catch for a big conversion. So... It was a quarter and a half of really good football from Zach Wilson in the Jets offense. I still don't think you could classify it as a strong overall offensive performance. They only put up the 20 points in this game. You mentioned that the raw stat line isn't overwhelmingly impressive. And I did still think it was a bit hit or miss. I thought that Zach still showed some problematic accuracy on some of those short passes and again, the degree to which this was check down central was pretty extreme. He completed four passes of over 10 air yards all day. 16 of his 28 completions were inside of five yards. So that's a big step forward from him running behind the line with no idea what he's doing. But there's still real limitations to an offense that is that hyper conservative and we are seeing a real problematic trend with Zach Wilson, in my opinion, where his situational awareness just doesn't cut it. On third downs, you see him far too often willing to take something that is clearly not even going to get you close to the marker. Like, third and ten is not the checkdown spot. Zach, that's a spot where if you do want to try to be a little overly aggressive, I'd rather have that than just settling for a basically guaranteed failure. And this Jets offense, it was a step forward in this game, but they have been brutal on third downs overall this season. And he did still have multiple balls in very dangerous situations. A couple at the line where... Those balls are batted down. They could have made a play on him in terms of an interception. One way behind his target over the middle of the field. So this was a good game for Zach Wilson. And I thought it was a good approach from the coaching staff. And I thought that they put him into positions to succeed. But it's not nearly enough to change my opinion of him. I still feel like a significant majority of starting NFL quarterbacks could have played this game because so much of it was just, okay, first read quick, get the ball out to the guy in space. And I still don't think he's a starting caliber quarterback because we see what happens when you try to give him more responsibility. Things have gone terribly south. But I liked the maturity. I respect his willingness to keep going out there, keep competing. And I think that that's very good for the overall confidence of this team. This is a team that obviously isn't playing great football, but also is not giving up. And with the sort of defensive talent they have, you would hope that they remain competitive. 
And they are going to be able to beat some teams with just doing enough offensively and playing really strong games defensively. And I thought that Zach was going to be replaced by Trevor Simeon. And right now, if he keeps this level up, there's no need to do that. But he's still obviously not a long-term solution. And I just don't see how people talk themselves into that when there's one good week and there's basically two seasons of really, really bad weeks. And game tape is ultimately the one thing that we should judge guys off of, especially NFL tape. You know, you can go back to BYU and watch him sling the rock all over the field. It's like, cool. I I am glad that you brought up the maturity aspect, though, because I think that's where Zach Wilson has really grown in terms of leadership as the guy leading this team out. But in terms of, you can tell from how the guys responded around him after the muff snap Mm -hmm. last year. You've got guys walking out on the tarmac, you know, out on the jets, coming off the plane with, you know, Mike White's my QB, you know, Mm -hmm. this is my QB, staunchly against Zach, saying, we don't like this kid, he's not a leader, he's not mature enough. To me, after this game, to go to the podium, it's on me, it's my fault, I need to be better. One, taking accountability is good, but also how his teammates responded. Zach was clearly down on himself, upset with himself that he muffed the snap, threw their last chance of the game away. All the guys rallied around him. Pick your head up. We got next week. We're going to be better. Pick it up. It just it, it shows that the guys around him have a little more confidence and at least there for him. That's encouraging. I still think you're right, though. I mean, we still need a, a ways away before Zach's even a borderline starter in the NFL. Here's to hoping that we see more games like Kansas City and less like we have <laughs> from the previous two seasons. And I think Zach's life choices have always reflected that he views himself as a more mature guy and likes to keep the company mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. some older people. And I think maybe he's picked up some lessons from that. So good for him, man. He played a good football game. I am not going to buy in on any sort of Zach Wilson hype train. I don't get how you talk yourself into that, but this was a good game and I'm happy for them in prime time. Okay. We got to talk about Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, Logan. Because they are just in a brutal stretch of football right now. Sitting at 1-3. Saw a stat over the weekend. They are the first team since the 2019 Jets to go through the first four games of the season without an offensive touchdown in the first half of any of those games. Not the best company to be in. What is going so wrong for Joe Shiesty and the boys? Everything. I don't know if I can point to something on this team that has gone right. Uh, You talk about that stat, Carson. I got some other ones. Burrow right now is 26th in passing yards. He's dead last in passing touchdowns. He has the third lowest completion percentage of any QB. That's just ahead of Jordan Love and Anthony Richardson. He's 33rd in passer rating among qualified quarterbacks in the stat that's been going around. Burrow has the lowest yards per attempt in NFL history through the start, uh, first four games of a st- uh, season, excuse me, dating back to 1950. That's abysmal. And if you look at any four-game stretch in NFL history, he has he's tied for 11th with the lowest yards per attempt over that span. I mean, it's just obvious. Joe Burrow's not healthy. Joe Burrow is so far from healthy, and I think that the Bengals made a fundamental misstep after, you know, we saw this in preseason – Put him on IR, let him sit out the first four to six weeks, however long you need him to be out. You can't do that when you don't have a reliable backup quarterback. And I've heard you Bengals fans, I've also seen other people say, take Burrow out, put Jake Browning in there. I'll tell you right now, I like Jake Browning 
three years ago when John Ross was his wideout at Washington. Jake Browning sucks. He is not an NFL caliber quarterback, and if they put him in the game, he is going to get eaten alive. You can mark my words. That's why they don't want to take Joe Burrow out. But Joe Burrow does not give them a chance to win because this offense has been abysmal, and neither does Jake Browning. Like That, to me, is the worst thing that you could do, Carson, is is to continually put Joe Burrow out there and put him in harm's way when it is not going to lead to victories. You're not going to lead a great offense. You're not going to win football games. Who cares, man? Just take this season off. I know it's hard to throw in the towel, but the worst thing you can do is completely ruin your franchise quarterback while he's not at 100%. It's just obvious on tape. One, Burrow cannot manipulate and move around in the pocket the way he normally does. The Quarterbacks that are traditionally built like Burrow, the Bradys, the Breezes, the Paytons, guys like that, they're so great at moving around in the pocket and just buying themselves extra time. Burrow can't do that, man. He can't plant. It's obvious. When he catches the ball, he's not making a drop. He's standing like a statue because he can't move. But that's also forgetting Burrow's great at extending plays. When he is fully healthy, he is a good scrambler and a good thrower on the run. He just can't move at all. What's worse than that? The offensive line can't hold up against four-man rushes, let alone blitzes. He was getting eaten alive in this game by the Titans. Just a nightmare scenario. An immobile QB, a bad line versus a good pass rush. Burrow got eaten alive. Outside of that, he looks a step slow in his progressions and his reads. There are just times where Jamar has that quote after the game, I'm always effing open. He was. Go back and watch this game. Burrow's just not getting the ball out quick enough. And then his arm's been spotty. Like, the yards per attempt isn't just that, like, I don't know if Burrow can't plant and get into throws or what it is. His arm's just not the same right now. Everything is going wrong, Carson. I mean, they've struggled to execute in crucial spots. They're 32nd in scoring through four weeks, 12.3 points per game. They didn't convert a third down in this football game until the fourth quarter with six minutes left. They can't rely on the rushing attack. And the biggest thing to me, Carson, I mentioned that about the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the great offenses that break football games are the ones that can be explosive. Carson, this season they have five plays of over 20 yards offensively. That is dead last in the NFL. Now you maybe lose T. Higgins for an extended period of time for a rib injury. That's another shot that you can't take. And the worst part of this is it's not their only issue. Like, their defense seems like it has really regressed, too. I know you've been saying this for three weeks, Carson, that you were really worried about Cincy's defense as a whole. They allowed the Titans to score on five of their first six drives, three of them straight, uh, all touchdowns. They are 31st in rushing defense right now. They are 21st in third down percentage. And my biggest concern about the Bengals' defense is my biggest issue with the Bengals' offense. Carson, they've allowed 17 plays of 20 or more yards this season. That's tied fifth most in the NFL. That's going to happen when you lose two of the best safeties in the NFL and Jesse Bates and Von Bell. You see it all over in this game. Henry breaks off a 30-yard TD run. D-Hop goes for 38 yards. Chris Moore, of all people, has a 40-yard reception in this game. The Bengals just look like they have seriously regressed, and I don't know, man. I mean, they're concretely out of the... I'm not even, they're not even on my contender radar right now. They're not on my playoff radar right now. I think the best thing, I think you give, I love Joe Breezy. I love Joe Shiesty. You give Joe, give him two to three more weeks. If he doesn't show you anything else, I think you got to, I think you got to hang it up for this season, Carson. Do you feel any differently? Like there's been nothing encouraging through the start of this season. This offense seems like it's going to suck with Burrow or without. 
I think you're just running the risk of Joe Burrow getting severely injured and could potentially spend more time out with an injury. I think you give him two more weeks. If nothing else, if you don't win any games, if nothing else is better, I say you put him on the shelf for the rest of the season and kind of throw in the towel. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but that feels so backwards to me. It feels so obvious that if you have a sense of how limited he is, if he is going to produce as the worst starting quarterback in football, which of course they didn't expect that, but they are seeing him in practice every day of the week, then you got to let him rest for the first six weeks and get his body right and hope that you can just hang on. And maybe even if you go two and four, you can finish very strong because we saw how strong they finished last year. But I think that, they're really in a terrible spot. I do not see a promising playoff path. I think they're going to be two and six soon, man, because three of their next four games are against the Seahawks, the Niners, and the Bills. All of those teams are in a completely different tier right now. And I think that you addressed a ton of the problems here. Burrow's pocket mobility combined with the line play. He just has no hope of evading pressure. And it's just inexcusable to have him out there when he's playing like this. It really is. You are putting your best player, the guy who you just gave hundreds of millions of dollars, in danger every week for him to play as the worst starting quarterback in football and for your team to get obliterated by a mediocre football team this week in the Tennessee Titans. That's inexcusable. I think of this season is a disaster for Cincy and... I wasn't as high on them as some other people coming into the year. A lot of that was about the defense, which I do think has regressed. You mentioned key losses to the secondary. They did truly, really try to revitalize that unit through the draft, but just not nearly as proven talent as you had with Bell and Bates, the lack of an elite pass rush. And I think that they have taken a step back there, but they're dead last in yards per play, dead last in yards per passing attempt, as you mentioned, and it's a bottom 10 rushing attack. So with a brutal schedule, I just don't see things turning around. And I'm certainly not out on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals going forward. I think this is a really good core. But I do think this defense needs to be retooled. I would like to see another high-impact pass rusher. And I think that the young secondary is going to need to progress. And offensively, I think that they need to reestablish the run game. Because Mixon has regressed so much. And the line has major issues this is a team that certainly overachieved their regular season performance in the Super Bowl run. Even last year, I thought the Bills were the better team throughout the regular season and then had some injuries, as did the Bengals going into their playoff matchup, but they played a really good game in that one. But in terms of pure talent on the roster, I don't view them in the top tier in the AFC. I do think that they're pretty clearly third in their own division, and I do wonder how replicable the postseason success of the last couple years really is on that level i especially think it's the defense right yeah i don't really have a worry once joe burrow gets back to full health the receiving talent here is special i think they can retool the offensive line like the bengals can make adjustments offensively i think the biggest issue is their defense and it's not just the secondary it is the pass rush that's part of the issue like hubbard and hendrickson have had success against bad offensive lines like they ate the rams alive but i mean that's like you're playing a jv offensive line man i mean the rams are patchwork as they get i also think it's an issue 
not only with the secondary and the corners, I think it's an issue with guys in the middle of the field. Logan Wilson is the only competent linebacker in this group in coverage. I felt like Pratt kept getting burnt in this game. I mean, that's just such a key part of a defense. And again, this is a Bengals defense that his... I know we give all this credit because Joe Burrow's the the handsome franchise guy, man. We're going to give as much love and praise as we can. Do not underestimate how much the Bengals' defense has meant to their success over the past two seasons. I think that is the biggest area where they have regressed and their biggest area for concern. I think we need to see a dramatic overhaul of that defense before they're going to get back to being a, a legit Super Bowl contender. And again, if that's the case, man, just shut him down, man. Don't get him hurt. Don't do this to yourselves, guys. We saw... Carson Palmer didn't want to get surgery after he screwed up his shoulder. Was never the same guy until he got to Arizona, man. You don't want to, you don't want to hurt Burrow. So, I, look, like you said, man, I'm not out on the moving forward, but I think this season, if Burrow doesn't change, I think you just got to throw in the towel, man. It's okay. It's okay. I know that's a tough reality to face yourself with, but I think it's what the Bengals should do. The NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code NERDS only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and Deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. Let's talk about another team that may need to throw in the towel, so to speak, because things are not looking good, and that is the New England Patriots, who suffered the biggest loss of the Bill Belichick era. And opposite them, a big, convincing bounce-back win for the Cowboys after their shocking loss to the Cardinals. For the Patriots, what do you take away from an absolute Mac Jones disaster class? Mac Jones freaking sucks, dude. Oh, yeah. What the heck? Oh, I, yeah. Look, I know this is a tough matchup. You're taking on the Cowboys defense. The one play, because uh, I know you've been on this for a minute, Carson. I've tried to hold out hope for Mac Jones. I have tried. You have been on the, the Patriots need to take a hard look in the mirror train for a while, especially with Mac. Mm-hmm. Wow. This was an abysmal Mac Jones game. The one play that I point to that really sealed it for me was that fourth and two Mac Jones gets blitzed, and you can see it coming from a mile away. The corners are all pressing the Patriots' wide receivers. The Cowboys have loaded the box up. You can tell. They're bringing the house. Mac needs to get this ball out quick. Mac's not an idiot. Mac diagnoses this at the line of scrimmage, but he telegraphs his throw to the flat. The second he catches the ball right in his hands, immediately throws it out to the flat. Just one of the worst picks that I've seen, man. Mac has another fumble in this game. It's recovered by a TD for Leighton Vanderesh. He throws a pick six. It's the worst game that I've seen from Mac, I think, ever. They have three turnovers for 18 points in this game. Bailey Zappi comes in later to relieve Mac. 
It's just reality of it, man. He can't deal with pressure. You see the pick that he throws on fourth and two. He can't extend plays. There's a scramble in this game. It's third and six. He rolls out, and I'm like, okay, Mac, show me something. He runs up through the middle of the pocket where the seam opens, and there's a linebacker waiting for him. What does an athletic quarterback do in this situation, Carson? Maybe they try to dance a little bit on the guy. Maybe they try to throw a stiff arm at him. Mac lays down for the <laughs> linebacker. Because he can't do anything. It's Mac Jones. He's yeah. not athletic. He's he's not crazy strong. He just can't shake the guy. So he basically lays down and gives up. Mac sucks. He just he doesn't have a crazy arm. He's not athletic. He can't extend plays. He can't make routine plays. He can't deal with pressure. I know after his encouraging rookie season, we all said, oh, he just needs a new play caller. I don't know if Bill O'Brien is the solution. And I don't want to rag too much on Mac because I think this is a really bad offensive situation. Yes. And I think it would be really hard for any quarterback to succeed here. The offensive line sucks. You have the slowest offense in football. You have no real weapons. And, hey, Bill, look, I know that Juju hasn't been impressive this year. Maybe put him out there. Maybe play him on a third down. I don't care... Juju's not a number one, but he's a damn good slot receiver. He can take shots over the middle, he's tough as nails, and he has good hands. Play him. Throw him the ball, maybe. They don't. I didn't smell Juju in this game. The Patriots offense stinks. Max stinks. Bill O'Brien's not the answer, and I think they need to completely overhaul this roster. The Patriots, to me, are in a very similar boat to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Great, dominant defense that can swing games week to week, but their offense is going to severely handcuff them every week, and they can't move the ball. There's no explosivity, there's no creativity, and you've got a really limited quarterback at the helm leading you out. It's a recipe to be horrible. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I, look, I'm not saying that one-to-one, if you put a new quarterback in this situation, Carson, that you're going to see dramatic results because I think everybody on this offense needs to take a hard look at themselves. Uh, Mac's not a game changer, and unless this situation improves, you're not going to see a better Mac. So I don't know if you go back to the well and invest in the QB position. I don't know if you go out and get a veteran at the end of this season. I don't know what the answer is, but it's certainly not Mac Jones. I agree, and I think if there's a pretty simple litmus test, this is the bare minimum one. Can you tell me confidently that the quarterback does anything at a plus level? And if you can't, breaking news, that's not your guy. And I don't think you can identify that trait with Mac Jones. You mentioned it's certainly not anything he can do athletically with his arm or his legs. I don't think it's his accuracy. I think he's average there. I don't think it's his ability to read the field and make good decisions with the football. I think he's a very mistake-prone quarterback. I don't think it's his overall pocket presence and footwork. I think he gets rattled. I think he can bail on pockets. The guy's just not good. And yes, he's in a bad offensive situation. I agree. But he's producing at a really bad level. And in a vacuum, is doing very bad stuff. I mean, you mentioned that second pick, the ball is way too far inside. It's totally forecasted. There's not nearly enough zip on it. The pick six, I don't know what he's doing. He bails on a good pocket to then completely forecast this throw, stare down the receiver, thinks he's got a Josh Allen sort of arm where he's going to throw across the field like that. There's not nearly enough zip on that ball either. And it's another easy and very costly pick. The strip sack, yeah, he's under pressure there, but he bails out of that pocket because of Fowler's pursuit and then suddenly pulls the ball back 
like he's going to throw, like he's going to be fine, and it's an easy strip sack. Like, that's not solely on him, but that's bad situational awareness. So I just think you have to be at the point where it's like this guy is limiting us, and the Patriots are archaic offensively. They really lack speed in the receiving core. They lack high-end receiving talent, period. They go out there in 12 personnel, and they don't really have a good line like it's an all-around bad offensive situation but by no means is Mac the solution to me and people got excited about a rookie year in which he was thoroughly average playing with an elite run game a really good line at that point and a dominant defense there's a whole lot of guys you can plug into that situation and they can play at a reasonable level and they won't completely handicap you but yeah there's a ceiling you're not going to contend when you have that sort of limitation at quarterback and Mac just hasn't gotten better from that point and the situation has gotten worse so I think that people are amazing at making excuses for young quarterbacks and there are things that are unfortunate for Mac but in a vacuum the guy's not good since the start of last season he's 216 yards per game 19 touchdowns to 15 picks way more mistakes than good creation and upside from him. And I think it's so much more common that teams hold on to a young quarterback who's just not good for too long holding out hope than it is that teams bail on a guy too soon who ends up being legitimately good. I think that Mac falls into the former and just replacing him wouldn't solve all the Patriots issues here because the overall offense is lacking in dynamism. But you got to have that really good quarterback talent to get you into the door. And I think year three, it's clear that Mac is not that guy. It's a bummer for them to lose both Judon and Christian Gonzalez in the same game to injury because those are probably their two best defensive players right now. And the defense is obviously the strength of this team. I think they're in for a rough season. I really, really don't see a playoff ceiling. They're one of the worst offenses in football. I mean, they're the number 31 scoring offense right now. They don't really do anything effectively. They're not explosive. They're 28th in yards per rush attempt. We mentioned max limitations. Their most explosive offensive player is sixth round pick Demario Douglas, who I really don't think is that good, but he's their most explosive offensive player. Not a great sign. What do you take away from this for the Cowboys? Because I know that you did sort of a Stephen A spiel after their loss to the Cardinals and you said, same old Cowboys, they're liable to have lapses like this. Were you impressed by this? Not at all. I mean, the Cowboys really <laughs> have shown me nothing new. No, I'm serious. I just love the bluntness of not impressed by a 38-3 to win at all. Yeah, I mean, the defense, but it's not like I've, I've had an issue with the defense. I think Dallas has one of the best defenses in all the NFL, with or without Trayvon Diggs. I think they'd be the best defense in the NFL with Trayvon, but I still think they're one of the best without him. They get great pressure on the quarterback, Micah Parsons and... Uh, Demarcus Lawrence are absolutely game-changing. The offense didn't show me anything. I wanted them in the red zone. I wanted them to execute. And they had a couple of good plays down there, but there was one late in this game in the third quarter. Uh, third and one, I believe. I just wanted to see them execute. I wanted to see them get a TD. Uh, play action fake. Dak gets sacked. Ends the drive. That's where I am looking the rest of this season next week to see Dallas execute. Mm -hmm. It's not about the defense making plays. I trust the defense to make plays. I need to see Dak in this offense finish drives before I have confidence in this team. No, Dallas, to me, didn't show me anything new. I mean, great win, good. They dealt with a bad team. That's what they should have done against the Cardinals. 
I need to see more out of the offense before I can really hop on the Cowboys train as, you know, as favorites. Look, yeah. the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders, but they're not going to move out of that tier and up into one of my favorites until I see more out of the offense. I'm with you 100%. I don't think that I'm as low on them. I don't know that I view it as as inevitable that things are going to collapse for them, but I don't have them as a top two team in the NFC. I think that they're firmly locked into that three spot as they were for me before the year. That's where they remain. The finishing drives is a big problem right now. They're 30th in red zone percentage. And I thought that Dak played a fine game and I thought that he controlled the game reasonably well, but we still haven't seen a very strong performance from him through four weeks. And it's when that pressure comes on that still scares me about Dak. Mm-hmm. It's not about Dak as a fundamental player. It's not about the the traits that Dak has. It's not about the arm talent, the accuracy. It's about when that pressure mm-hmm. is coming on to him. Is he gonna bust or is he gonna is he gonna keep going through? Wow. Pressure bust pressure bust pipes, and it's busted Dak a lot, man. I he doesn't Dak hasn't shown me that he can be one of those guys with ice in his veins and close them out. Mm -hmm. Again, even when he executes in this game, you've got such a cushiony lead, it's like there's no pressure on you. I want to see Dak Dak execute when the pressure's on. Agreed. That's what has been one of the two key factors keeping the Cowboys from being in that undeniable top Super Bowl tier. The consistency of Dak's play, and I have said also the consistency of Mike McCarthy's coaching. And... I think that the jury is certainly out, and we haven't gotten resounding answers on Dak through four weeks. He's been underwhelming. He's been worse than I would have expected. But they continue to run the ball well, and they continue to commit to that. It still remains a pretty good passing attack overall. It's a dominant pass rush, and it's a defense that is capable of forcing tons of turnovers, as they have been the last two years. And I think that we got to give a big shout-out to Deron Bland for, I mean, doing a great job of reading Mac Jones like a book and jumping two balls in this game that defensive playmaking is really valuable to their formula but i do want to see this secondary against better offensive attacks because i thought the cardinals were able to find some success without trayvon Diggs out there patriots have one of the worst passing attacks in the league it's just not a very good stress test but that's coming for the cowboys the first four weeks i mean they really really should be four and oh they've played four of probably the bottom 10 teams in football the Jets and the Cardinals are respectable and you know, the Patriots, I don't know, but none of them are good. I would classify them all as bad football teams. The Giants are a bad football team right now. They go to the Niners next week. They go to the Chargers after that, after the bye, they go Rams, they go to the Eagles. So we are going to get a better sense of what this team is made of and what ceiling the offense can reach, how this secondary holds up against better passing attacks. But we can't bump them up after a dominant win like this. We know that's what they're capable of when they can dominate with these massive impact plays defensively. We got to talk about your Steelers, Logan, because this was a game that you probably looked at on the schedule and you would have penciled mm-hmm. in as a W against the Texans. And instead it was a blowout loss. Do you feel like Pittsburgh who keep in mind, we do have a bet on if they, Miss the playoffs, you will be wearing a toupee for a week of shows. Did this game expose them to you? What did you take away? Yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a bad football team. I don't know how to dress it up anymore. I've seen people, again, it's the track record, it's the culture that you buy into. I've seen people rank the Steelers in the top half of football teams, 11, 12 in their power rankings because they've won games. 
The Pittsburgh Steelers have been a bottom 20 and below team for me since the start of the season, and they have not shown me anything new. Mm-hmm. Let's play everybody's favorite game. Here's some Matt Canada stats for you guys. Yes. We have 225 total yards of offense versus Houston, and the Steelers did not cross the 50-yard line in the first half. Oh, let's keep it rolling. This season, 67% of Pittsburgh's drives have ended in a punt or turnover. That is tied second worst in the NFL with the Bears and the Browns, only behind New England's absolutely anemic offense. Since Matt Canada took over, we have more first-quarter drives that have ended in turnovers than touchdowns. We are the only team in the NFL to do so. And there's something I want to extrapolate on that a little more. Do you guys know how hard that is to do? All week long, you practice one thing as an offense, and that is your first drive of the game. You script it all out. We're going to run this. 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 It's going to set up the defense for this, this, and this. In theory... Your first drive of the first quarter and of the second half should be the best drives, the most successful ones that you have every single week. That's abysmal, but we keep it rolling. The Steelers have no games of 400 yards of offense. Other teams in the NFL have done it an average of 10 times since 21. Again, the Steelers have done it a whopping zero times. And with Matt Canada as our offensive coordinator, the Steelers have lost six games by 22 or more points. That is the most in football with the Giants. Carson, from 1998 to 2020, the Steelers had six total games like that. We've had six since Matt Canada took over. And my favorite quote from Matt Canada after this game, we're not quite built to come back from big leads. The way we start football games is critical. They said that on the broadcast against the Texans. Let me translate that to you guys. We can't score points. Wow, it's almost his job. Carson, I think that's his job as an offensive coordinator. It's somewhere in the description, yeah. To score points. So that's a little concerning that you have that self-awareness. The bottom line is, man, I know that Tomlin is frustrated with fans calling for Matt Canada's head. The bottom line is all we want to see as fans is accountability for a guy that sucked. And at the podium, Tomlin gives us some all-time Tomlinisms. Oh, there's going to be some big changes. This was an embarrassing, a horrible product. There's not going to be any changes next week. Matt Canada is still going to be the offensive coordinator. We're still going to be calling stick. We're still going to be calling end around. There's no dynamism in this offense, and nothing's going to change. The defense has to play perfectly to win the Steelers' football games. And like I said, man, the fans just want accountability here. If Mike Tomlin's not going to bring the hammer down, who's going to? You know, you're the head coach. You need to say, this is disgusting. This is sick. It makes us think that there's some... Something behind the scenes, right? Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada got his son an offer, a scholarship at Maryland. I think that's why Matt Canada got this job, because him and Mike Tomlin are boys. Mm. It just makes you wonder if there's something deeper. Is it just because you're friends with a guy? Look, Tomlin, I don't want you hiring a guy because you like him. I want you to hire him because he's good at his job and he's going to win us football games. He hasn't done that. He's not delivered. And it's only going to get worse. Kenny Pickett comes out of this game with a knee injury. And you know what? He suffered that knee injury where he bailed out of a clean pocket. It's the most Kenny Pickett play of all time. I hope Kenny's going to be okay. The Steelers are screwed. We're going to have Mitch Trubisky in at quarterback. Mitch Trubisky sucks. Uh, Winless as a Steelers quarterback. Has more turnovers than TDs. First play of the game. Telegraphs a play. Throws into double coverage. Almost gets picked off. Uh, The Steelers are a bad football team, and we're going to be a bad football team until we get rid of Matt Canada. That's the bottom line. 
Big Ben as offensive coordinator? Maybe. Oh, goodness. Maybe. Maybe consider it. I don't know, man. The Steeler fans are just frustrated, man. We just want something different, Carson. And until that happens, uh, we're going to be frustrated. The Steelers are a bad football team. The defense is great. The defense can be great. Until their offense can score over 20 points a game, they're going to be a bad football team. And it's the exact kryptonite that we saw coming. I think you were a bit more optimistic about the offense, Logan, but this is why I didn't have them as a playoff team or a winning team. It's because it's such a limited offense. And the Canada quote, typically when you talk about teams that aren't built to come from behind, maybe it's somebody like the Atlanta Falcons, where it's such a run-heavy offense that they can actually be capable, but only playing a very specific style. The Steelers don't have a style. They don't have a strength. They're not good at getting in front early with defense and running the ball very effectively. They're 29th in rushing yards. They're 25th in yards per tenth. They just suck offensively, period, point blank, in every way. And that's why we can't take them seriously as a playoff sort of team. They got absolutely obliterated by the Niners. The Browns game, two defensive touchdowns. And yeah, the Steelers have been able to win games like that more than anybody else. But it's what we talked about. There is such a low ceiling to that. And they beat the Raiders, who absolutely suck. So, I think that this team is in for probably a a 6-7 win season. And I do think they'll win a couple more games on the back of their defense. But the offense is problematic, and Kenny has not progressed, man. And I do want to just quickly get a little temperature check on you with Kenny. How concerned are you about this flatlining and maybe even a bit of a step back from where he was in the home stretch of last year? Oh, I'm very concerned because the only thing that was encouraging about Kenny at the end of last season was his ability to uh, to extend plays, to make things out of structure, and to be clutch. You know, it didn't really seem like the situational aspect of the game affected Kenny. He was mm-hmm. able to lead us on a lot of game-winning drives. I'm very worried about Kenny, and it's not because of Kenny as a football player, right? I always knew what Kenny was. Kenny's not an exceptional athletic talent. He doesn't have a crazy arm. My concern is that because we have not given Kenny an offensive mind that knows what he's doing, he's lost out there. Mm -hmm. Again, there are two things that you need to give a rookie quarterback to set him up for success. That's a running game, and that's an offensive mind that knows what he's doing. You can put guys in a better situation. It's like put Kenny in San Francisco. Give him structure. Give him talent. Again, that's probably an ideal situation for any quarterback, but... When you don't have an offensive coordinator that knows what he's doing, your quarterback's going out there blind. And, yeah, no, I mean, Kenny looks far from a franchise quarterback. He looks far from a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I'm very worried about the Steelers' offense all around, and I'll say it on record right now, man. I know a lot of Steelers fans are going, we're going to win nine games, and it's going to be the same old Steelers. At this point, if we win nine games, I will do a dance, man. I will do a jig on air. I think I'm going to be wearing a toupe at the end of the year, man. I think I'm going to have a week where I got the toupee on. Yeah. (laughs) That's where Matt Canada's sending me. Yeah, but it's going to be a good look. And I think you're going to get a few more phone numbers than you anticipate if you wear it out Mm -hmm. and about that week, which I think you will. I really think it might change your life. (laughs) And that's what we call a good old-fashioned silver lining. Okay, let's briefly touch on this Monday night game, which we didn't lead with because it sucked. The Giants are off to a brutal 1-3 and three start, that one win being a comeback against the Arizona Cardinals in which they were down big three scores. What did you take away from just another embarrassing performance from them? I mean, I kind of told you guys this last year, Daniel Jones freaking sucks. Yeah. 
Paid him $160 million. Again, uh, I brought this up two weeks ago, Carson, and we talked about this. There's a fundamental way to build your offense. You're either going to pay the quarterback and you're going to sacrifice elsewhere. You're going to trust that guy to elevate your offense Mm -hmm. to great, great heights. That's why you pay a Patrick Mahomes. And you're like, okay, we can let Tyreek Hill walk. Well, you paid your guy $160 million and you have no skill talent. You have an offensive line that's pretty beat up. It's in these scenarios where you have to entrust your quarterback to lead you. Yeah. That's what his job is. Josh Allen in suboptimal situations has succeeded. He's had a bad offensive line and he's elevated his team. Daniel Jones just again completely whiffs here. Uh throws that bad pick six to Devin Witherspoon. Shout out. I picked Witherspoon to be offensive rookie of the year. He looked awesome. He looked offensive. awesome in this game. Well, that was a bold pick. Excuse me, offensive. <laughs> Defensive rookie of the year. Excuse me. He has two sacks in this game. He has a pick six. It's awesome, but Daniel Jones, just outside of his dual threat ability, has really nothing. Like, he can extend a play. Yeah. He can scramble a little bit on third down. You like that. Doesn't make good decisions. Doesn't have an exceptional arm. And just crumbles under pressure. Yeah. That, to me, is is the biggest thing with, with quarterbacks that I, that I like to buy into. Is If you can deal with pressure, either situationally or when the pass rush gets home, I can buy into you as a quarterback. Daniel Jones has repeatedly crumbled under pressure before the season started I called him a bottom five starting quarterback in the NFL he's trending there I don't think he's there I think he's like bottom six or bottom seven with the talents that we have around the league right I take him over Pickett I take him over Ritter you know I take him over certain guys but the list isn't very long Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones sucks he's not a franchise quarterback the Giants shouldn't have paid him and how much longer is his contract three more years? Is it two more? I don't know how long it is. I mean, they're screwed, dude. Yeah. They're screwed. You're going to pay a guy $40 million, and he sucks, and you can't get rid of him. Daniel Jones sucks. I could have told you guys this before before the year started. Um, I, I feel bad. I feel bad for Giants fans, man. I feel like this is going to lead the Giants to firing Brian Dable, and I don't think it's Brian Dable's fault that this team isn't any good. Uh yeah, man, the Giants are not a good football team. Shocker. Daniel Jones isn't a good quarterback. That's my big takeaway. And I think the Seahawks are a legitimate playoff contender. I think the Seahawks might be the fifth best team in the NFC. I yeah. like Seattle's defense a lot. They're massively improved. They get Bobby Wagner back. They invest more into the secondary. And their offense looks pretty good. Uh, Kenneth Walker is a beast, man. Yeah. yeah, Nothing really new for me, man. The biggest takeaway is just that the Giants are handcuffed to this contract for the next three seasons. Oh, they sure are. I want to read you some incredible stats, Logan. This is Daniel Jones' career stats when Saquon Barkley is on the field. He has a pass rating of 90. He's got 46 touchdowns to 20 picks. He averages 223 passing yards per game. Without Saquon on the field, he has a pass rating of 76. He averages 195 passing yards per game, 30 fewer. 16 touchdowns to 20 picks an incredible disparity and it is looking more and more miraculous by the day that he was able to have the lowest interception percentage in the league last year but I do think it speaks to a how valuable a really good running game is to any mid-level or even below that quarterback because that's what the Giants relied on last year not that they were a good offense but they were an okay offense because they were an elite rushing attack, top five in yards, top five in touchdowns, top five in attempts. Of course, Danny Dimes contributed to that, but Saquon was unbelievable last year. And now we've already seen him miss a couple games due to injury this year. 
The line is really struggling. They can't run the football very well. And when you need Danny to go out there and win you a game and throw the ball 35 times and be a star offensively, he just isn't going to be able to do it nearly consistently enough. Again, we have seen bright spots from him, but we've started to see a lot more bad again, as was the case across his first couple seasons. So I think I got to give you props on this one. I definitely was not somebody who bought into Daniel Jones. I didn't like the contract. I wouldn't have classified him as an above average starting quarterback, but I thought he was a mediocre starting quarterback and he looks worse than that right now. And this Giants team, man, I feel foolish for thinking that they could build on what they did last year and even replicate that success. The weapons improvement is just not there. The line is abysmal, man. And the 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 10 sacks, excuse me, 11 sacks by the end of the game from the Seahawks. Like props to them, but this has been a bottom 10 unit in terms of pressure. That, to me, says a lot more about the Giants line. And also, Danny does have some responsibility, a lack of awareness, holding on to the football for too long. But there's just nothing to like about the Giants. They don't really do anything well. It's a fine defense, but it's certainly not a good enough one to carry them to even competence as an all-around football team when they're playing at this level offensively. So, I like the Seahawks a lot. I do think they're clearly a top-five team in the NFC as expected before the year i mean this was a good football team that had a really strong offseason this wasn't a good game from them offensively really like kenneth walker fun to watch zach charbonnet had a strong performance they ran the ball well it was underwhelming through the air and the defense played really well but they played really well against a very bad offense so the giants are gonna need to hit the reboot button man the danny dimes contract is a disaster and we were just talking Last week or two weeks ago, he has a top 10 cap hit, I believe, every year 2024 through 2026. And that is a guy who you're not going to want as your starting quarterback after this year. They don't want him as their starting quarterback right now. That's just brutal. And that's why you can't overpay the wrong guy. And I do think teams have to be more cautious about overpaying for quarterback talent. Because yes, it's the most important position, but it's also the one that if you screw up and you go all in on the wrong guy, it's going to hurt you by far the most. And Danny Dimes is just the wrong guy. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of it like that see that Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he didn't need it. 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. There's a couple other teams that have been dealing with that dilemma who faced off Logan, wondering if they've invested in the wrong guy at quarterback. And a lot of signs have maybe pointed to yes. Bears Broncos, the clash of the 0-3 dumpster fires. Justin Fields, a much improved game. It still ends up in a loss. Russell Wilson and Sean Payton get the first win of their beautiful marriage. What did you take away from this showdown? I don't know if there's anything that you can take away from this game other than the fact that the Bears are the biggest dumpster fire in the league, man. How do you lose this game? You're up 28 to... Well, actually, no, I do know how you lose this game. You got Matt Eberflus at head coach, and he decides, hey, man, let's throw the rock. We're up 28 to 7. Hey, man, let's just keep slinging it, right? Let's not run the ball. Well, there's such a dynamic passing attack. Of course. Dude, I don't know if I would have believed you. Justin Fields has the best game of his career. Four touchdowns, 300 yards, 15 of 15 to start a game. It's the most straight completions to start a game in Bears franchise history. His first incompletion was a Hail Mary. I mean, you can't think of a better game for the Bears. This Mm -hmm. is it. We put Chase Claypool on the bench, and now we're rocking, (laughs) right? This This is the comeback tour. I mean, this all comes down to Matt Eberflus to me, 110%. It's not only that you didn't run out the clock, you run a stupid play-action play, leads to a sack fumble where the Broncos, who haven't had a defensive touchdown, I think, in two years, end up taking it back to the house. That cost you. You have, even worse than that, that you're not running the ball. It had worked for them, Carson. They had 5.5 yards per carry going into the second half. I mean, lean on that, right? Maybe. Maybe you could win a game. The most costly decision to me in this game was Matt Eberflus going for it uh, on their penultimate drive. Fourth and one. Mind you, started this football game fourth and one in enemy ter- territory in the first drive. Eberflus says, ah, I'm kind of scared. Let's not go for it. But on your second to last drive, you say, hey, let's go for it. Yeah. The outcomes, you either don't get the fourth down and it's a tie football game, or you kick a field goal and take a lead with three minutes left. Stupid decision. This is completely on Eberflus. I, like, I'm not even mad that Fields throws that pick. It's a horrible pick to Kareem Jackson to end this football game. This game is so much more on 
on Matt Eberflus in stupid coaching and incompetence. He would not be my head coach today. I would have let Eberflus go right after that game, man. I, completely on him. Uh, nobody's going to give him credit. I thought Russell Wilson had a really good second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Marvin Mims Jr. is a really special weapon. But to drop 24 unanswered points when you had complete control of this football game and you lose it on just poor decision-making in the second half, in regulation nonetheless, you can't even force OT, man. If you kick that field goal, you at least get overtime. Fire Matt Eberflus. This game's completely on him. I think the Broncos' defense sucks. I think the Broncos are... Here's my NFL tier so far. You got the Bears at the bottom. The Broncos are right here. Then I think you got the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And then there's like everybody else that stinks. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just a clear bottom three tier here. Yeah, man. The Bears are the biggest disaster in the league. The Broncos are the second biggest disaster in the league. And shout out the Broncos for pulling this one out. Yeah, this was a real uh, interesting game. Not a lot of good defense played out there. A little bit of the uh, shoot yourself in the foot stuff from the Bears in the home stretch for sure. I do think it's shocking how much the Broncos defense has regressed. It's legitimately gone from top five unit to awful. Like just hemorrhaging yards to bad offenses. And there were some hilarious moments. Fields played a really good game. But the first touchdown to DJ Moore... The DB falls down. The next touchdown to Cole Komet, he's literally uncovered up the seam. Like, it's just a complete lack of cohesion from the Broncos. They have no idea what they're doing out there. But Fields played a really clean, controlled game. And both him and Zach Wilson, this was certainly the most promising performance from both of them. I thought Fields was more impressive, but both of them, it felt like simplified things. They looked much more comfortable. They were making better, more efficient decisions with the football overall. And he really found a rhythm and a chemistry with DJ Moore in this game, which was very promising given how frustrated Moore had been and how little he had seemed to help Fields at all in the passing game. And I thought... You also saw some of the dynamic creation from Fields. The third touchdown, I thought he did a great job of using the threat of his legs, tricking the defense, opening up Komet for an easy touchdown. A great job of extending the play on his fourth touchdown pass, making something out of nothing. He just looked like a different dude from the guy who in the first three weeks did not look like an NFL starter whatsoever. You mentioned the bad play call on the strip sack. I mean, he faces a free rusher. That's brutal. It's still a spot where I feel like you got to just bear down and take the hit. You can't try to get rid of the ball in that spot, but that doesn't really fall on him. It is still a lack of situational awareness, though. And the pick, yeah, it was bad. But they kept moving the ball in this game, even into the fourth quarter where they end up with the goose egg because of going for it in the pick. They were still able to move the ball on two of those drives. 471 yards of total offense in this game is such a step forward, but again, it is coming against what might be the worst defense in football. Like, the Broncos are allowing season-best performances now to three consecutive teams, and the Raiders are not a real football team, so that doesn't even matter, and they still found a way to lose to them. That team is really, really bad. Both these teams are really, really bad. I need to see more from Justin Fields to buy into the redemption arc because the first three weeks were so ugly, but this was a promising performance, and he looked the most comfortable and the best that he has been but for the Broncos I don't really think they deserve very much props like Russ has been fine the offense has been okay it's been okay it's been an average offense the defense absolutely sucks though and so they're still not going anywhere as a football team 
But you know who may be going somewhere as a football team, Logan? Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I gave you props for the Danny Dimes take. But really, the, the big swing and the big hit for you was the Bucs winning the NFC South. I thought they were going to suck. I did not buy into any sort of Baker Mayfield resurgence. I frankly didn't see why you did. But the dude's been balling. The team's been balling. They blow out the Saints this week sitting at 3-1. and one. Are they the best team in the NFC South? And what did you take away from this win? A pretty low bar, but yeah, yeah, I do think the Bucks are the best team in the NFC South. A lot of it does come down to my faith in the other teams here. The Saints offense, I just have... What do they do okay? Like, I mean, they have weapons, but it's not like they can use them. Olave, Thomas, Camara. Like, I can see the Saints getting better as the season goes along, but they have been brutal through the first couple weeks here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Panthers, with their rookie quarterback, Bryce Young, it's okay. I feel like they're going to struggle all year. And then... The Falcons have Desmond Ritter. So a lot of this does come down to, I just think the Bucks are slightly better than these teams. But I really do believe in this defense uh, and the weapons. They hold the Saints to three field goals, under 200 total yards. They forced three turnovers in this game. I really like this pass rush. Shaq Barrett's back healthy. Vita Vea plays an awesome game in this one. Antoine Winfield plays an awesome game. They just have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football yeah. where I can buy into them being a top 10 unit. And offensively, I like how they set up Baker for success in terms of get the ball out to weapons. Mm-hmm. Godwin Evans are still a really dynamic duo. I don't know why a lot of people pick them to fall off a cliff this year. And Rashad White, I still really like uh, in the receiving game. Had a decent game on the ground here, 50 yards. Offensive line is going to be a struggle for Tampa Bay all season long. But again, they're going to play these teams uh, twice more, you know, all yeah. of these units. So, or excuse me, once more, uh, most of these teams. So, I think the Bucs can take advantage of a pretty light schedule. And as long as Baker can not make mistakes, I believe in Tampa Bay. And my thing was, I think a lot of people took Baker's sole season with a shoulder injury as this is what Baker is. And I think Baker's just a better quarterback than that. I don't think that Baker is this transcendent talent where he's going to take you up another notch and single-handedly win you games. But he's a high-level game manager that can steer the ship, that can make enough throws to win you football games. I'm not saying that Baker's perfect. I'm not saying that Baker's going to have a bad game. It's looming. Look, as a Baker Mayfield Mm -hmm. guy, as a guy that likes Baker Mayfield, we got a bad one looming where the narrative's going to switch up and he's going to have a bad one. But for the most part, this is what Baker can do. You give him a good defense. You give him some weapons. He can go out there and win you football games. And that's what I banked on in a bad division. So I don't feel wholly, you know, different on the Buccaneers. I don't think there's some playoff contender that's going to win a playoff game, but I think they can get there. And a lot of people had this team as the worst team in football, dude. I never really saw that. Yeah, they do look like the best team in the division. And I think they certainly have the best defense in the division. And right now, somehow, they have the best quarterback play through four weeks. And yeah, it's a really weak quarterback division, but I would take the level that Baker is playing at over the level that Carr is playing at. And that's with... Really comparable weapons. Both teams have struggled to run the football. And that was my concern with Baker. It's not that I think he's totally incompetent, but the only situation in which we had ever seen him really succeed was elite run game, elite line. So really he's in the game manager role and he was thriving out of play action, which was all established by that dominant rushing attack. And I thought this is the worst team in the football in in football in terms of their rushing attack. And it's a line that got even worse with injury. And 
the dude is playing confident. He's playing free, but he's playing controlled, mostly mistake free. Like he's just been a good quarterback through four games. And I agree with you. There's going to be some duds. There's going to be some, some bad ones coming, but we haven't seen it yet. And I don't know if it's going to be enough to outweigh the fact that this is the best defense in the division. They do still have these two really good weapons in the receiving game. And they're a solid all-around football team. But all it takes to win the NFC South is solid. It's it's as advertised. Man, it's not a good division. It's not a good division whatsoever. Okay, let's just give rapid-fire takeaways to wrap things up on some strong teams that won as expected. The Ravens dominated the Browns without Deshaun Watson, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, sort of getting a surprise start in this one. What did you take away from that? I gotta stay. Uh, I gotta stop taking Lamar for granted, man. I hopped aboard the Browns train, and I know the DTR is playing in this football game, but I have to stop doubting Baltimore. They are clearly, to me, the best team in the AFC North for one reason and one reason only. They have the most reliable quarterback in the division, and Lamar Jackson wins football games. I know Lamar has a lot of haters, man. Lamar's an awesome quarterback, dude. I don't know how other way to dress it up. Oh, he's not a he's not a QB, he's a running back. Whatever, dude. Lamar wins football games. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And damn, this defense is awesome. Can I get a shout-out, dude? Kyle Hamilton is that guy, bro. I know that a lot of people liked him out of Notre Dame, dude. What a game he had in this one. Uh I just I think Kyle Hamilton is is one of the best safeties in the NFL already. And I'm yeah. I'm pumped. That guy is a monster. I got to stop doubting Baltimore, man. They are in the tier one for me. I said it. They're in tier one. Wow. I don't know where else, where you got them. Do you have them in? To me, it's, let me see. I think I wrote my tiers down here. It's Niners, Bills, Chiefs, Cowboys, Eagles, Ravens. That's who I got uh, yeah. atop my tier one. They're in my top six as well. And I had them as the one seed in the AFC before the year. So I think I was higher mm-hmm. on them than you. I still think that the Chiefs and Bills offenses are at a different level of proven elite passing attacks in the playoffs and that's why they've been so consistently great over the last few years and both those defenses look pretty damn good right now so i would have baltimore three in the afc but i do think that they're firmly three for me and they really dominated this football game end to end they got some pressure i will say dtr is obviously not a starting level quarterback and he made some killer mistakes in this game but lamar was super efficient they ran the hell out of the football that's what the ravens do when they're at their best that's why they're really well equipped to beat up on teams that they're better than and this is moderately concerning for the browns but not really because their quarterback play was so bad i still think that they are firmly a playoff team i still think that they're really good i think they're really really talented but it's the gap in quarterback play that's why when we had this debate last week i said long term i have more faith in the ravens it's because we know what lamar is we still don't know what deshaun is just because he had one good week okay the niners mowed down the cardinals sitting at four and oh what did you take away cardinals are good i think the Cardinals well, good are a- good or respectable solid they're they're not the worst team in the NFL oh, the way I expected yes, them to be. Yes, certainly. Like, I really buy into this defense. I know that they get 30-pieced here by the Niners. That's just the Niners going to work. I mean, McCaffrey has been unreal this year. The Niners are my Super Bowl favorite right now. Mm-hmm. They've proven it to me. I know they've played some bad teams. They've had, you know, the Steelers. They've had the Cardinals now. The Niners just look awesome. Yeah. But, I think the Cardinals, hear me out, and I don't know if this sounds ludicrous uh, to you, Carson. You tell me to pump the brakes if I need to. Like, I think the Cardinals are a better football team than the Steelers or Patriots right now. Like, I think that... They're a better offense, I think. 
yeah, their offense is better, and that's the that's the edge I give to them. Also, Pittsburgh, how do you screw up Josh Dobbs, man? I, I always liked Dobbs more than Mason Rudolph. I liked him more than Duck Hodges. I l- oh my God, he's in a different tier than Mitch Trubisky. Like, it's not even close for me. Dobbs is mobile. He can make plays. He can make good decisions. And he's not the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Like, Certainly I think not. that the Cardinals are going to be okay. I think this defense is good. I think that Jonathan Gannon can coach them up into being an average defense. And I think their offense can be slightly below average. I'm not calling the Cardinals a playoff contender, but they're not nearly as bad as I thought they were going to be. Yep. I got to go big hand up. Totally undersold Josh Dobbs. Undersold his decision-making. Undersold his accuracy. Undersold how much of an asset his athleticism really is. The guy can really make plays with his legs. And he is out there captaining a solid offense without great weapons, but they're respectable. They're a respectable football team. I mean, I do think that they're probably still a a five-win team or so, but they are staying in games. Not really in this one because the Niners are just like that, but I mean, they were in it. The final score, I think, is slightly misrepresentative, but my takeaway is the Niners do look like the best team in the NFC. They look like the most complete team in the NFL right now. That offense just doesn't stop moving, man. I mean, they're second in yards per play. They're second in yards per pass attempt. They're seventh in yards per rush attempt. We've talked about how insane their weapons are in space, but CMC is just doing something different this entire year. And Purdy just executes and executes, man. He doesn't have to do the special stuff in this offense. Maybe there will come a point where they're tested by a team that is approaching their all-around talent level. But right now, he's just making smart decisions with the football, and he is getting the ball to his guys who are unbelievably talented. They do look like the best team in football through four weeks. I am still a believer in the importance of elite, truly elite quarterback play, which a couple other teams still have the edge on them in that category. But as an all-around football team, they look like the best. The other team that I thought was going to push them for that title and who I actually slightly preferred for that title in the preseason was the Eagles, who are still 4-0. They're the other 4-0 team out there, but it hasn't been quite as convincingly dominant. This was another instance of that where they sort of eke out a win against the Commanders. What did you take away from that? The Eagles are scaring me a little bit, man. they've, They've played a lot closer to teams than I expected. The biggest thing has been the offense, but I was super impressed with A.J. Brown in this one. I mean, massive, massive game from him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like how the Eagles are playing with their food. I mean, this doesn't really say anything to me about the Commanders. I think the Commanders still kind of suck. Still better than the Giants, but that's not really saying a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Eagles are scaring me a little bit, Carson. And I know that you said you have them at number two uh, in the NFC above Dallas. Dallas is creeping for me into that two spot. The only reason that I I wouldn't put Dallas ahead of them right now is, again, I just need to see Dallas execute in the red zone. I need to see them... Just prove it to me a little more. Philadelphia has a better track record over the past couple years, but I'm telling you, that gap is is really, really marginal to me between Philly and Dallas. Philly's scaring me a lot more than I expected that they would. Yeah, they're just not dominating football games. And we did see the back-to-back really dominant rushing performances against the Vikings and then the Bucks, But overall... I think Hertz has been inconsistent, certainly not playing at the level that he did last year. I think that defensive front is really, really good, but maybe hasn't quite been as dominant as last year, which was one of the greatest pass rushes we've ever seen, 70 sacks. I do think it's an even more talented unit, but it's a young unit. 
it's a unit that I think is is still fully trying to find their stride there. So I just have a lot of faith in the Eagles. I have a lot of faith in the talent, which I really think. Of course, there was change in the roster, but I think they did a really good job of replenishing their talent. I believe in the coaching, the run game, the line is certainly as dominant as ever. I think we got to see Jalen Hurts play at a more consistently elite level as he was last year. And I do think that we will see that. So I still do have them with the Niners. I think they are the two most complete teams in football and in the NFC. Okay, Logan, the Jacksonville Jaguars came out with a bounce back win over in London. They're now at two and two after beating the Falcons. What did you take away from their win? T-Law looked good, man. This was an encouraging game from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Toy Story broadcast was kind of sick. I'm not going to lie, man. They should do that more often. Yeah, dude, the slinky dog with the first down Uh marker. What a nice touch. I love that movie. Yeah. Well, there's Uh, four of them, so you've got three more to watch, buddy. uh, Trevor Lawrence looked good. I think they needed this game as a boost, especially after uh, a letdown performance. I think the Falcons kind of stink. I didn't really take a whole lot from this game. I think it's kind of unfair that Jacksonville gets to camp out in London and wait for Buffalo. I think that's a little bit of a competitive advantage, but the Jaguars look good. They're still not in my Super Bowl hierarchy, but they're a team that I think could win a playoff game. Yeah. I believe in Lawrence. I think this team is... I think the Jaguars are good. They're an above-average team. They're definitely an above-average team, but I agree. I couldn't really give them much more credit than that. And yeah, the back-to-back weeks in London is weird. Is it the first time that this game against the Falcons wasn't counted as a home game for them in London? Like, is that the first time they've been the away team in London? I feel like it is, but I think it's because obviously they're doing it back-to-back. Very, very strange. I don't really get the the push that for football in Great Britain. I just don't think that they're ever going to care like that. But... The Jags did a good job of generating pressure in this game. I thought that their secondary, their linebackers, they were able to make some plays in the passing game. And T-Law played a controlled football game. They should still cruise to the AFC South title, but I do need to see more to have them up there with the Bills, the Chiefs, even the Ravens. I think those are better all-around football teams. And for the Falcons, it's what we talked about earlier. They just can't fall behind. If Desmond Ritter has to throw 30-plus times, they're going to lose 90% of those football games. He's not a starting caliber quarterback to me. He's got a lot of issues as a pocket passer, as an overall thrower of the football. So a little lower on the Falcons. I had them as... The first in an unimpressive race in the NFC South before the year. I do prefer the Bucks to them now. All right. Last thing we're going to touch on here, Logan. The Chargers, somehow it comes down to an escape against the Raiders. Again, that they were controlling. But Brandon Staley, man, he likes to make things interesting. What did you take away from them getting another win? Chargers going to Charger, man. Uh, wow, yeah, he tried to give this game away. They get the ball back. Can't move the chains. They also don't run the ball to burn any of the clock off. So Staley goes for it on fourth down at their own 35 with 3.30 left. The alternative, Carson, is to punt it to Aiden O'Connell, who hasn't done anything all (laughs) day, and letting a guy who on the other side of the field for you has six sacks. They go for it. I don't know, man. Brandon Staley's an idiot. The Chargers are going to charge her. Justin Herbert has to be Superman for this team to win football games. And why was Aiden O'Connell out there, man? Do you understand? Was Jimmy G hurt? Yeah, Jimmy's hurt. 
I didn't understand that. I just saw him pop up on my screen. It's like, oh, hey, man, Derek Carr's back. Good for him. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think Aiden O'Connell's that good. I don't think the Raiders are a real football team. And I don't know how it keeps coming down to this, Carson. You're exactly right. I don't know how the Chargers manage to play such tight games and for Brandon Staley to make such boneheaded decisions. I said it last year. I'll say it, or I said it at the start of the season. I'll say it again. If the Chargers do not win a playoff game, Brandon Staley's goose is cooked, and deservedly so. Yeah. They just managed to play down to their competition week in, week out, and their defense sucks. He's dumb, dude. I mean, he really <laughs> makes bad decisions. Like, this is so much less excusable than the the one that we saw was that last week or two weeks ago because this is not at all an end the game situation you're on your own 34 there's three and a half minutes left your defense has held them to 17 points why on god's green earth are you going for it i just don't think the risk justifies the reward at all i think he's legitimately awful at making those decisions and again i'm for aggression but it's got to be smart aggression and I think the play calling remains really underwhelming in those situations. Yeah, the Chargers, they still have a lot to prove. This was their best defensive performance, but against a really limited offense, the Raiders can't run the ball this year. They couldn't really protect AOC. He didn't play a good game. I thought he did look a little bit overwhelmed. To be fair, he did have Khalil Mack in the backfield six times. I do like the ball that he throws. I liked him in preseason, so I'm holding out a little bit of hope. I want to see more. It's not a great situation, though. And you just can't lift the Chargers into a higher tier until we see a consistent level from the defense, until we see competent coaching. This wasn't a really good Herbert game. You just don't need it because it's the Raiders, and the Raiders are absolutely awful, and they're in the bottom tier of all the football teams this year. All right, there you have it, guys. Our full NFL Week 4 takeaways. We're going to be coming back very soon. Because we start NBA preview content this week. So we're going to be going division by division. That should be a whole lot of fun. We didn't get to do a show talking about the Drew Holiday trade because I was on the road. But that is going to be covered this week in our division preview. So stay tuned for all of that. If you want to be notified uh, and watch those shows with video, you can subscribe to the Volume YouTube page. You can also listen to the podcast across audio platforms. You can follow us across social media. TikTok and Instagram at NerdSesh, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh. You can check out our merch. Logan's got the Nerd Sesh hat. We've got the flags behind us. We've got hoodies. We've got shirts. We've got new Let's Play Today's Hoop Grid shirts. All of that is at thevolume.com or at the link tree in any of our social media bios, where you can also join our Discord if you just want to talk football, basketball, be part of our community. So with that, as always, appreciate you guys. I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.